welcome to a new episode of Techman Talks Dynamics. Uh, joined with Liz, James, and Matt today, so it's great to have everybody back together. Um, topic today is around the change that's taken place with development and how that's impacting projects. So, Liz, I know you get a lot of questions about this from a customer service it, point it's, of view. It's difficult for um, customers and for, for some of our consultants to um, understand the impact of all the development changes that have happened over the last few years. So, as a user or as a consultant, if you know, 15 years ago in, in version you know, version 3 or 4 of, of Navision, NAV, you could input a sales order or you could get from quote to invoice, um, then you could, if you knew how to do it in that version, you could probably go into the latest version of Business Central and work it out. You know, you might have to click about a bit, you might have a few difficulties finding things because things have moved, but actually the, the, the business process and the process that the transaction goes through um, it is pretty much the same. Terminology's so the yeah, same. Yeah, the terminology's the, the same. Um, you know, so a user who used the system 15 years ago would, would, you know, if they knew it well then, they could pick it up quite quickly now. And in some respects, it's easier for a new user now. It, it, it is, it is. But actually, the processes, the core processes yeah. haven't changed that much, which I think is why it's quite difficult for, for customers that have been that have been using NAV or Navision or Business Central, older versions of Business Central for so long to understand the the differences, the technical differences, and why we can't necessarily work now the way that we used to work um, from a from a development, from a development point of view. So why why we can't just well, stick in a quick and dirty change? I mean, the, the first yeah, the first challenge there is is that I'll probably say you can you can do quick and dirty changes. Okay, the let's question not is you shouldn't. Yeah, do. okay, it's not. We, we we are changing the approach that we take to any kind of development project. So whether it's a, a new business project from from the beginning or whether it's an existing customer uh, transitioning from um, uh, an on-prem nav version or whether it's change requests for existing customers who are on BC, we are changing the way that we approach that kind of development. And the reason for that isn't just because we've decided we want to take on a new process, it's because the, the, the underlying changes mean that we have to, to make sure that the system is kept, that we can keep keep up to date with all the changes in the, in the, in the versions and the, the SaaS environment, we have to make sure that we develop in a way that, that won't hold people back and create so, technical well, debt. You, 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 yeah, I mean, that's it. It, it. When you were using Object Designer and you were just going in and making that quick change, um, in effect, what we were doing was was what the rest of the world, development world, had moved on from because they understood that, you know, um, yes, you might have got your quick change, but you were creating problems down the line and you know, wasn't upgradable, wasn't testable. And of course, in those versions, we were changing the core code, weren't we? Yeah. You know, we were yeah. making Which changes. Which is why you were stuck on it for, for a decade, and yeah. you know that that upgrade just couldn't happen. And you looked at all those nice, shiny new features in version five. If you were on version four, and they seemed a million miles away. So you know, if you want upgradability and you want sustainable development, then you know that doesn't come with no downside. You want the upside, but you've got to take the downsides with it. And the downsides really are doing things in a bit more of a, a structured, um, planned fashion rather than just lots of quick changes that pile up to be 
um, that individually might seem insignificant, but when you're doing when you're into three figures, um, and, you know nobody has a clue later on exactly what's been done, and, and trying to reproduce that environment is 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 a nightmare. Yeah, because we, you know, we, we had there were issues with the, the the old way with the old fobs, wasn't there? In that if you if you had three changes going on at the same time and you decided you wanted one of those changes put in live and someone said, oh yeah, we'll just put that fob into live. But actually, code from those other two changes also accidentally got part transferred to live. Then you, then your system became unusable. So it wasn't necessarily easy then. It's just that we worked out ways of, of managing it. And the, and the landscape of the way that your system is architectured now is just completely different yeah. to the way it was, you know, even back in the, the kind of um, BC 14 days where, um, which was the hybrid. But before that, you know, you had a set of objects, as you say, fobs and all the rest, and it was all part of one system. And if you wanted an ISV solution, well, you didn't have many. You probably had one, two, three ISVs max because integrating those in was actually a ton of development yeah, work you'd have to, on like they, You know, some, some of them would modify like 120 standard objects and you'd have to manually merge, that merge those in. With your because changes. I hope they all work and together. Yeah, yeah, if you'd had no changes, then it was probably easy. But if you've had any changes, then you've got to manually... Even if you just had a field added to a page... You, you still have to ma manually, that object then has to be manually merged and, in. And you could have two ISV solutions as well as your own changes. And yeah, that modify the same. We've come to this new world where it's not unusual now for um, clients to have five, six, eight, ten um, IS, different ISV solu solutions, plus the majority of them you know, still want exactly what they want, so they want some per-tenant extensions as well. So you, you're adding that so in the mix. So a per-tenant extension is a customer's custom code? Yes, yes. It, it, it should be, but some partners out there are not choosing not to deploy via app source, but to deploy per-tenant extensions that they've used in multiple customers. Personally, I think that's that's wrong. You know, once you get past three or four, you should take the pain and put it in app source at a, at a minimum, I think. But... Um, you know, it, it's a complicated landscape and you, know, you just look at some of the, the SaaS customers who've come to us and say, can we do a partner transfer? And when we go through those, we find extensions in there, um, you know, a whole list, sometimes not even with the code in the system because they've, um, they've been, uh, the pertinent extensions that they've had written for them have been done as runtimes and and don't create the code. You know, I I think that that is. What what does that mean? Yeah, I think I think to, to layman's yeah, terms. this is important. If you you need to be asking your partner. Well, I think you know what does it mean to answer Matt's question first? It means that when when I had a fob, it was ridiculously difficult to protect the code that's written. Okay, so. 99 I, I can think of two or three instances yeah where we have where the code no. wasn't there and that was pretty much very rare. fraudulent by the partner to upload a blank um, object after they'd uh, compiled the whole lot so it, it, it didn't really work it wasn't sustainable and as soon as the client did anything else it, it, it fell apart so but with extensions um, you know, with AL extensions, you have the ability to deploy a runtime which doesn't have the code. Now, 
given that code, you know, anybody who thinks that code is finished ever is kidding themselves. Code is a living thing. It's If it's gonna sustain, particularly on SaaS where you've got upgrades coming thick and fast, you know, um, and at the moment we're trying to get ready for um, wave one release in a, in a week or so's time, and there's all the deprecation from Microsoft any PTE that used any of those objects that are no longer there, SMTP mail is, is a classic one that's finally been removed, the classic way of emailing stuff. Um, you, know, you might not think your uh, PTE used that, but actually if we got it to send a, an email on an error, which was quite a common pattern yep. to do, yep. um, you know, you've never seen it because it always works. You've never seen it send an email, but it has that capability. That would need re-engineering to use the new uh, SMTP mail gateway um, rather than the old one, because the old one's not there anymore. So that, that extension will not install. Now, if you haven't got the access to the code, you know, if you have got access to the code, it's a five-minute change to move that across. If you haven't got access to the code, you can't use that from BC20 onwards. Um, and potentially the whole lot's got to be rewritten. So I think, you know, where you've got a PTE, the code should be in there. And actually, you know, for, for clients to be interested in where their code is, that's when you, you think you've spent a lot of money on yeah, customizing your system. It's it's It's, yeah. you know, the code is is the blueprint of that, really. And, and, and if you don't have the code, you haven't got what you paid for. Yeah. James, you talked about having stuff in, part, in app source. What's the benefit to the end user of it being in app source rather than the partner dropping something in? Um, I think, you know, one is two aspects, I think, to that. One is that to put it into app source, it has to go through a certain level of validation. So, um, you know, in a per-tenant extension, I've seen some stuff in per-tenant extensions that I wouldn't say is good code. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty ropey stuff to get into app source you're not going to get away with that. So it does imply a certain level of quality. Yeah. Um, I think the other as aspect is that that upgrade will go through automatically. You know, if 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 it's a pertinent extension, somebody's got to deploy that. Now, if your partner's doing a managed service properly, that they will deploy that automatically, that update for you, and it will just slot in. You know, that's the whole, the final piece of the whole what we call DevOps, and I'm sorry we're starting to use some of the terminology that the dev world's used for years now. Um, and I know for some end users that, you know, we keep throwing these terms like DevOps around. DevOps actually covers a whole uh, list of things. It's not just one process, but the final bit is, is kind of continuous deployment, which means it'll take it and deploy it. But if you put it into AppSource, um, you know, if, if we in the Clever Dynamics team find a bug, um, we'll go fix it, we'll put it into AppSource, and then it's available for everybody who has that to go on to their SaaS management and just go install. And and you know, eventually they will get it by default when they um, when the upgrade cycle comes around. Okay, so it's a big value. It's just, when, when we talk about that, I think as, a, as an end user, they might be thinking, well, what the hell does that mean to me? Why does it need to be there? I think you've explained that. You know, I think the upgrade process is, is vital to, to that happening, isn't it? So. It is, I mean, and actually this is causing us some, um, causing the ISV. So one of the things that, that's come up in the last few days is the process of doing the update. So we've got BC20, 2022 wave one coming. 
lots of people are contacting us in ISB saying, are you ready for um, you know, this new release? Because there's quite a bit, there's kind of deprecation of um, simple authentication, there's SMTP, there's item cross-reference tables gone, so you have to use item references now. So there's quite a bit that they've actually deprecated in this one. So everybody wants to know if we're ready. And we are ready, but we haven't deployed to AppSource yet. And, and why haven't we deployed to AppSource? You know, we're a week away from go live. And the reason is, is because a couple of releases ago, we got caught. So let me just walk through this, because I think it's, it's important to understand it. It's not that we are not ready for 20. We are ready to go with that. We have the code there, but we're not going to deploy it to AppSource yet, because when we deploy into AppSource for the, what's called the next major, BC20, the Wave 1 release that's coming April the 1st, you know, our customers who are live on SaaS won't get BC20 on April the 1st. No. It will probably be a standard deployment. At, yeah. Well, and, and you know, a couple of times in the past that's been delayed and it's actually been May, June. Yeah. And, and I agree with Microsoft delaying it if they've got any questions. Sure, so yeah. new customers will get it from April the 1st, but existing customers, it takes a couple of months yeah. to roll out and wall through. If those customers in that period are on BC19. Oh, you're talking about the eager beavers who are trying to put the... So if they're on 19 and we find a bug fix, okay, that we need to deploy urgently and we've already loaded BC20 up to AppSource, we're no longer allowed mm -hmm. to update BC19 once we've got BC20 yeah. and AppSource. And, and we're not in control of Microsoft not pushing back the BC20 updates and Correct. we don't know exactly when that will happen. So, so actually... It, it's it's better for us and it's better for our customers if they don't deploy the latest version until the beat. The, the so simplistically, in the past, as an ISV, I've always gone. I want to be, you know, I want to have my stuff there ready for the release date. Yeah. Actually, right now, until Microsoft makes some changes around what's called forward validation, which I won't go into. So in effect, what they're what Microsoft are saying, they won't allow us to deploy another version of the BC19 solution, okay, once we've got BC20 in there. Because when we upload a new version of the app to AppSource, they check for what's called breaking changes. They check that in effect it's going to upgrade. So when you deploy a new version of the app, Okay, sometimes your data needs to change structure. You know, you've introduced, you've, you've, you need a new field on a, on a, in a key on a table. So you have to deprecate the old table, in effect, mark it as, as redundant and, and not used anymore. You introduce the new table with the new field in that key. Um, it can be a field. If I want to change a field length, you know, if I want to change it from 20 characters to 50 characters or, or whatever, there's a whole bunch of reasons where uh, what a definer's breaking changes. So in PTE land, you just force that through and say, right, go through and, and deploy. In app source land, you're not allowed to do this because in effect that might break somebody's system. So you have to very carefully manage this. As part of that upgrade cycle, you know, um, we have to write a, what's called a, an, a, an upgrade code unit and what that, that code unit is only ever executed once. So you install the latest version in your SaaS 
uh, you know, admin environment and it says, right, what version of the data were you on, 19.5? What data of the version are you going to, 19.6? Right, to go from there to there, we introduced that field or made that conditional go through and process the data so that it still works post that install. Do you get what Yeah, I'm yeah, they like? put a whole bunch of checks to make yeah, sure yeah. that you get, yeah. So, you know, it, it, the whole thing is to make it as smooth as possible for the customer. But it's not just adding a field. You know, it's a whole bunch of the, stuff. That's the, the request exactly. might be just add a field, yeah. but yeah. you might have to do all of that yeah. to enable that. Yes. Which I suppose that brings us on to why we've changed our approach to how we start but and how the design is the, so important. Just to finish that off, you know, if we, what they check when we update to AppSource is that we've not done any breaking changes. What they can't do is if we put an, a middle version in, so a 19.x version, after we put the 20, they can't check that it's not a breaking change going from that version up to the 20 version, up to the new version. So there's a bit of work that, that Microsoft, I understand, are working on, but it means as an ISV to be sure that I can sort any customer out that has a bug in the meantime. Actually, I'm going to leave deployment to version 20 till 20 starts rolling out to their existing customers. I make the 19 version so it'll work on 20, but I don't use any of the new 20 stuff until 20 until they're, they're upgrades have gone through. So. It, it, I mean, hey, look, this is all getting quite involved, quite complicated, quite difficult to kind of architecture through, but it does show how it's not as simple as just put this in and it lasts for five years anymore. You've got to kind of understand month by month what the right thing to do is and plan it through. Which is why the design is now so important when we set out to do any kind of, of, of pertinent extension or custom code we have to get the design right at the beginning to minimise the impact yeah. for future upgrades, not only of the of, of BC, but any third-party apps that that, um, that sit in the system as well. Yeah, the design process isn't just how do you want it looking. Yeah. It, it's how Can you just the do this? architecture yeah. how do, behind How does this it? all work together and, and how yeah. do you make it sustainable? Yeah. And obviously, you know, you, we can't say that we can always design it so it's completely future-proof because we don't know what, mm. always what's going to happen. But we do have to design it in a way that we can, um, we we have it documented well, so we can we always know what it what it should do, um, right through from the requirement to the design, and and, and so that we can um, we we can maintain it going forward uh, every month when it, when an update goes on if it and, needs to. And be. I think that that's you know that's where again I I think that the days of just making a quick change and banging it in is not. Uh, good practice because the solution design piece for me in the last two or three years has got way more important. So what do I mean by that? I mean like, well, you know, um, we've done podcasts before talking about table, the number of table extensions that you have against a table. Um, once you've got all those ISVs involved, once you've done like three or four areas, uh, bits of customization that may extend, the classic is the item table. You know, suddenly you've got performance implications. Yeah. Those are getting better, but you know, it's still easy to for a developer to write some code that makes the system perform like a dog. And, and that's not Microsoft's fault in effect. And the developer, if they're just developing one extension in isolation, it's not their fault either, yeah. but when you put it into the overall environment that you're running as your business central system, 
you know, it's not going to work very well. So where do you go back to with that? Really, you need somebody who is, um, if, if you've got a system that is in any way much, you know, complicated than a, than a pretty standard, straightforward business central system, you really need somebody who does a, a solution architecture kind of design in exactly the same way as, you know, an architect will will understand the flow around a house that they design for you before they'll design the individual rooms and how they each bit works. And, and these should be fitted into release cycles now, shouldn't they? So um, rather than having multiple, and actually, let's let's just take a step back and talk about sandboxes. So traditionally, customers would have a live database. <laughs> And some would have a production and a test, uh, sorry, a development and a test. Some yep. would just have a test. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, for most customers, we would do a change in test, they'd test it, then we'd move it into live. But that was because the testing, because the testing was manual, okay, you were dependent on a lot of data for your testing cycles. Yep. Okay, so you typically copied live to test. You know, sometimes every couple of years it was it to oh, te- God, you yeah. go in and test yeah. will be way out of date. But yeah. you'd look for you'd look for that setup in the you know, with that set of items in those bins in the warehouse so that you could run a test cycle through. It doesn't work. It doesn't work consistently. It's no, not good testing. No, it's not. But also your test environment isn't necessarily the same as your live environment when you just pluck one object and, and put it into live. You, you and also you are so that using a sandbox is a totally different concept, isn't it? So, you know, my um, purest view of this, and I'm aware it is a purest view, but I, I sincerely think it's the right thing for the customer, is that, you know, when you build an extension, you should be able to deploy it to a sandbox with just that extension in, and it should um, be able to work. now. Your extension might have some dependencies, yeah. so maybe you put those dependencies and just have that extension in, but you shouldn't have all the other extensions that that customer has until the second half of the cycle. For me, uh, you know, my hobby horse is that development should, where you can, be done against um, a, clean. A, a clean system, because what that then gives you the option later on is that you don't have any kind of accidental dependencies as I call them where the dev's gone oh this is over here I'll just use that it's not part of the design actually your design good design minimizes the number of dependencies between different extensions and different parts of the system so that you can swap something out and swap something else in you know we're already seeing customers come to us and say I found this in app source I'm using this at the moment but this is better and you or, can swap those out. Or, oh, there's a new feature in BC20 that means that this this particular piece of development I've had I don't need anymore because it's now standard. Yep. You should, in theory, you should be able to install I, it. You know, I don't. If, unless it's part of, it could be part of another Our business piece, doesn't but. do that anymore. How many times in upgrade cycles do we go through and go, yep. don't need that, don't need that, don't yep. need that. If you've built them in individual extensions, you can just remove them and, and decomplex. Simplify, if that's a word. <laughs> Simplify. It's like Simplify. using a plunger on your business central system, isn't it? It gets rid of some of the, the crap yeah, that's I, in I there think, and flushes I it down the pipe. Simplify rather than decomplexify. Okay. Um, yes, that's not English for the non-native uh, speakers. But in effect, you know, the simpler the simple works, right? So the less... 
and but, 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 but also your um, your maintenance cost for your for your SAS solution is based on the number of per ten extensions. Well, it's ultimately, the, it's the complexity that you have of the because game, that's yeah. the, the complexity. The more complex so it the, is, the, the more testing that is, you do. Um, where they should be removed if they're not used. Um, you know, we're going through this process at the moment. Um, of customers that are on very old versions and doing this kind of app ready process where we're looking at, at customizations they've had over the years and it's like well why did we ask for that yeah. we've never used that and, and the number of mods that people have paid for in the past but are never they're either used a couple of times by one person and that person leaves and they're never used again and they just sit there and we we, we sit there and we keep grading them but time if they are time. an individual extension you can get you can chop them out much easier than if you know they're part of a, a complex set of objects where you don't know if if I take those objects out will I find that this has got a dependency on it you know that that's much more documented now if 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 there are any dependencies and you know that's where you your architecture should be trying to minimize those yeah and that's our job but I do think a customer shouldn't um, one of the beauties of, of, of nav was that always from the user point of view you never knew what was what was development and what wasn't yeah. So, um, you know, there's a lot of assumptions that what people have got in yeah. their system is standard. Yeah. Um, Especially but, with new starters, it's just it's yeah, just the system. Yeah, which is yeah. fine. For, for the users, that's fine. And, and for them, it's a totally seamless experience. However, it is important that um, kind of the, the system manager, whoever is responsible for the system at the customer, understands what extensions they have, knows how to look what they've got, has has an idea of what they're there for and why who wanted them so that they can be managed and i think i think it's important that whilst we are responsible for maintaining them we're responsible for architecting them is the customer should understand what they've got go search extension management in bc it's and so have a look easy. see what you've yeah. got yeah so you know if 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 um see i i i think that microsoft have introduced that um you know i think extension management could be a lot more um helpful i think um you know just some just some more history of kind of what's what's gone on when and and, and what was upgraded to what at when that there's the there's the log but it's not got enough information in it and it should be you know this is the last date this extension was upgraded etc etc should be more obvious i think the other factor is that you know actually in bc20 we have um in VS Code, you can have something called a workspace where effectively you can have multiple um, extensions loaded up in VS Code at once and you can deploy them all. So, you know, that's what we we built that at Techman. We built what we call solutions, which is like this is the set of extensions that this customer has. That's getting a bit easier. I hope that Microsoft keep going down that road of kind of understanding what so you can you can understand what's in um, this customer's particular one but the danger then is that people go let's build a workspace with every extension and almost you get those um, uh, you know um, non-unplanned dependencies start to become and we go back to the rat's nest of spaghetti code that we had in objects yeah, yeah. there's a fine real fine balance with extensions though isn't it because you know you like you were talking earlier about, you know, if you don't want, you know, if you're not using that anymore, oh, you can just take it out. But it's, but what you don't want is an extension for every single little no, change. No, absolutely not. Which I think you referred to earlier. You know, you don't want 15 per 10 extensions hanging off the item card because yeah. you've had 15 new fields added yeah. to the item card. That's where the architecture and that's where the design comes in. 
And that, and I, that, and I'd that be takes brutal time and I'd say, that. you know, if you So people say, right, I want a field on, the, on, on my item table. And actually, my first question is, why? Because, you know, that they will instinctively say that and, and then they'll want it. I want it on the item list view, you know, because I want to be able to see it. Actually, they're only using that kind of one in 50 times that they go to the item list. Yeah. So you've got all the performance impact of you've having it there. You've got to wait up, haven't you? you know, because one- the way BC works at the moment is every time it, it looks at the item table, it will by default in the standard code. Now they're trying to do set loads fields and lots of clever ways. Um, to, to minimise that impact because they but, understand but, the but consequence. But it, as it stands today, pretty much always that's going and loading that table extension. My view is stick it in a different table. If it's something that you only use on occasion or you want to go and look at specifically, stick it in a different table, you know, with the same primary key, so item number and you know, because that's only as much data as you would have in a table extensions. Mm. Table extensions always have the primary key in them. That's how it joins them together. So stick it in a different table and then have a different list view that they use when they want that particular piece of information or they're looking at yeah. that customer status or or whatever rather than sticking it on to the standard ones you can argue that we're going back you know in the in the past nav was criticized for having too many clicks yeah and you you know you had to navigate through through the list to the card to the list to the card too many times but i think or um you know related and and all the way through but there's good reason for that. It means that if you're not using it all the time, stick it some, stick it in a separate table. Yeah, because there is nothing more frustrating than just trying to look up and do an item list and it taking ages to load. Well, That's going yeah. to weigh, the, the, the disadvantage of that is going to outweigh any benefit of a, a particular field. So, sales order list, customer list, item yeah. list. You, you know, sales header table, customer table, item table. Classic ones. F- first ones, sales line is the other one. Yep. Um, yeah, I would say, really ask a tough question, how often? And if it's less than, I need it all the time, every time, separate table, navigatable to, you know, a click away um, to get to. And, and kind of, that, but that's where your solution architect at the point of design, because once the you know, the code now, um, you can go run the wizard and you can create a table extension just brutally fast, um, but you're stuck with it then. Once you've got data in it, it's really yeah. hard to get rid of it. And so that's where you need to get ahead of this and, and do much more solution design um, to make sure that you don't kind of get yourself into a performance hell and then have to yeah, even more work to dig yourself out of it. It's, I mean, it's fundamentally changed the way we we review and look at developments now. Because on projects, you know, we, we have to think about the design upfront and carefully about that design, and that's that's a real skill. You know, and it takes it takes experience and often a few heads to throw around the ideas as to the best way of achieving something. And then when you're getting into the specific designs about each of those functional areas rather than just a kind of top level solution design it's okay how do we then create the apps which is a different design process and that's time we have to spend unfortunately now and and time tends to be cost as well it is development isn't as that's another reason for um for, for an existing customer to group 
you know if you if you know over the next few months you're going to have these all these little small changes to do that will all seem like little small things we should really be grouping them together yeah. into release cycles. So that writing that, the code is a small so part that, yeah, of the process. So then. that architecture process can be done in one go, uh, rather that, than individually. It's going to be a very expensive process to do. Um, if you've got six, what would have been six half-day changes to do, um, then you can probably, if you do those individually now, it would cost you a lot more than it used to. Mm. If you group them process, together into a release cycle, then you're probably much closer in terms of cost and, and risk quality. and quality and and just and maintain, maintain. I mean, you said forward. it, Matt, writing the code. Um, Is it? Yeah. You know, I wouldn't say it's a simple bit because... Um, yeah, because then you'll have it, it, 25 it, it, developers. Well, it's, it's not. I mean, you know, as code, there's always a there's a, there's an easy way to write it, and there's the right way to write it. So um, there's still a huge skill in that to get that that right. But a lot more of that skill around is is in the design piece, I think, than the actual um, code writing piece. And I think you know that's um, you, you can write code fast, but you'll probably regret it um, I think it, it's be very um, sure this does all kind of mitigate against a kind of very agile approach to developing systems because you have to be much more um, you know if you're going to get that design right you need to know what you're building mm. before you start digging the foundations you've got to know Don't you think it's really, it builds that having a strong relationship with the partner um, a long term, rather than looking at how can I get this done cheap and quickly, and maybe bringing someone in for a short term on a on a contract or something like that. Where, as I said, we we've gone into a lot of detail today, but as a partner, we know what what else has to be done. We're not just looking at it from the development point of view. We know we've got to take some responsibility for Actually, the upgrade, you know, the support, support it, got to so maintain we, we it. You said it's an investment. This is where we should have an difference. insight to what's coming as yeah. well. So you know, if we if we were being asked if. But the key for me is not, I mean, if you ask me what I think the difference is between kind of a heavyweight business central partner and a heavyweight development house out there that might develop, I don't know, e-commerce solutions or any other form of IT, it's traditionally, I think, where the NAV channel has been very good is understanding the business. Hmm. So, you know, a good solution architect is going to look at the business first and go, well, in a couple of years, they might ask me to do this. Therefore, I'll leave that as an option, uh, uh, that gate open. Whereas if you just, you know, um, if you haven't got that kind of business understanding when you do, when you solution design, quite often you'll just do straight what the customer asks for. And that might be the right thing, but it's not, you know, you, you might shut off avenues for the future. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. so it's kind of like, well, and there's a fine balance there when, you, when you're doing the design about, because if you leave every option open, it's going to take a long time yeah, and be super and, expensive. Yeah, and, yeah, you, Whereas if, if, you know, if, so that's where sometimes you need to ask the question, look, what's the chat? And sometimes you'll get back from the client, no, we're never going to do that. Usually two years before they say, right, we want to do this now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in business get that but you are trying to have that conversation to understand the landscape that your design is going into so you're trying to make it sympathetic to everything else that's there and, and kind of leave as many options open as possible well, i think that's 
our responsibility as a partner, isn't it, to, to do that. We've got that knowledge around what could and couldn't happen. The end user's probably looking at the business challenge today, and like you said, we're looking at a bigger, yeah, wider and, picture. You know, the, I suppose the advantage we've got is hundreds of different other businesses that we've seen where they've gone and how they've evolved and what they've done and what they haven't done and what's worked and what hasn't worked. So, you know, bringing that experience, and I think that's the difference between a business applications partner and just your regular IT partner that's just looking at it from a technology perspective. Um, we're trying to trying to do, I think the, the business central community, uh, the traditional one, um, tries to look at that both ways. Okay, I'm quite conscious of the time. We've been going for quite a while. Is there any areas that you want to delve into? I know we've got quite a long list of things we were talking about. Is there anything you want to highlight and, and bring up to, uh, to cover? I, I, I mean, I think, look, you know, um, I'm aware people say, well, why are development cycles extending? Why is it getting more complicated? Why is cost going up? I don't think anybody on the, um, you know, from with a development hat on is, is just sitting there going, right, let's just spend more time on this. Actually, all those guys have pretty much got a, a full calendar for as long as they can see. Um, but, you know, that's where actually we want to do something right first time, okay, and not come back to it. None of us like rework, having to rework stuff that we've done before because... Because it's never nice, is it? Yeah, whatever, whatever sphere you're in, you want to uh, do something right and then move on and do the next exciting thing rather than fixing the, the last thing that you did before. So I think that's where the motivation is coming from and I think that's where um, you know, the development times are going out because actually if you spend the time, um, you know, the, again, the business central community, we're professional services just like you your solicitor or your accountant, you know, and if the government doubles the complexity of, of, of your tax return, your accountant's going to charge you more. We're moving into more um, multi-cultural type of landscape of lots of different ISVs, lots of different kind of capability. That's making the whole thing potentially more complex. Um, and if we're going to leave as many options open as as possible but that's where come back to Liz you know not looking at a little change every week doing a monthly release strategy yeah testing it right automated testing is you know you, that, that's a hobby horse the one it's like automated testing is the new training it's the one if the budget or the time scale gets squeezed it's the one that gets left off you know and then everybody regrets it yeah. a year down the line yeah. so uh, you know there's, there's things that we still have to get embedded in every project out there um, I think to really get um, into a really great place for the future I, I think also as well just to just finally customers that are on pre BC 14 that are spending significant amounts of money on development projects thinking that they will be able to lift and shift them to mm. the latest version you probably I'm not saying you all you you, you can't reuse any of that but it will need to be re-architected it is not simply a case of converting it as is for all the reasons that we've touched on um in this podcast you really need to be thinking about is this the wise way to spend it's, my it's, money for me it's vintage car time you know i've got a a, a 1996 lotus that i spend a bit of money having fettled every year and mot'd and i don't drive it that much um 
mainly because I'm getting too old and fat to fit in it very well. But you know, um, <laughs> but I still rich. enjoy it. But it's a vintage car, right? It's not, you know, my daily driver. I, I don't want that. I would, I would do every mile in that car. Good God, it, it would drive me insane. Spending money. If you choose to know, maintain an old NAV system, you know, take it to the vintage car show. Is there a vintage ERP show? I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm, it, it, I'm it not is, entirely sure there's a big audience for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure they'd get... No, they wouldn't no, turn up no, and, no, and do I that on a Sunday afternoon yeah. after a bit of polishing. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it, it's it, like you are, you are maintaining something that's past its sell-by date. Yeah. And at some point, you're going to hit a shock that... You know, one day my Lotus, I'm not going to be able to get any uh, critical spare. Because I'm not going to be able to get in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. But I'm not be able. You know, critical spare is going to go yeah. be unobtainable. I'm going to be scavenging in in scrapyards and all that sort of stuff. You are that that IT is not doesn't last forever. You know what, what's going to happen when Windows won't install the client for that? You know, I had a customer using an old version of Navi rang me up and said. Security, uh, we need to put this on a new server because we're running on a really old version of Windows Server. Will, we'll, uh, I think they were asking, um, uh, it was NAV 2009 because they were still the old version. Yeah. Would that, will that server install on Windows Server 2022 or whatever it is, the latest? I was like, I have don't know. no clue. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd have to try it, and that's it the only way. It, well, it won't be supported, but it might work. It might not. Who knows? And you know, it might work initially, and then we might find yeah, some uh, massive gotcha yeah. um, later on. So it's going to be uh, a speculative. But if you stick on an old version of app, you're going to be in that situation yeah. where you know, the Windows client. How sympathetic is a Microsoft going to be to? Oh, our Windows client doesn't work on Windows 12 or whatever we're going to next. You're going to be you're going to be doing what I've seen in the past, trawling around the second-hand shops trying to buy old, you know, eBay for old PCs so that you can run your ERP system. Great way to run a business. It's not really a sustainable hmm. strategy going forward, is it? So sooner or later, I know it's painful. You're going to have to think about it. That's depressing, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's oh, bombshell, right. yeah. Um, no, look, it's always educational. Sitting, I've learned a lot um, about this. I think a lot of us don't get involved in the dev process. An end user probably might have one person that has to take some responsibility. So it's good to understand what goes on behind the scenes um, So and, and what we need to be thinking about or end users need to be thinking about. Uh, and, and I think, you know, that's every time I talk to a customer, um, there's a different set of permutations for that particular customer. This is, you can't, you can't sit on a podcast like this and say one size fits all. It just doesn't work. Um, but every partner, you know, every customer should have talked to their partner, talked to their expert. That's why they're, you, you're employing them um, and, and effectively should have a strategy for, okay, this is what the next, I would say, two or three years looks like. Um, that might change, you know, every, next year you might come up with something, the business needs something different from the system, but you should have a plan. And if you haven't, then you're probably in danger of doing things in the short term, which actually might mess up that that 
medium term plan. That also um, mean you get to a point where you have to do something and you've got a very short time scale to do it. Yeah, which and you end up rushing which, it. Which, ne- which never goes quite as well, does it? Yeah. Well, again, you know, that might cost the business more in disruption than yeah. Yeah. than anything else. So talk 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 to your partner, you know, um and, and I, I know customers go, oh, they'll just try and sell me something, and and the, but at least you know, just because you've got a quote from them doesn't mean you have to buy it. Um, but just at least you'll know yeah, what you're looking at, making an informed decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah understand that's what where you should are. be doing, yeah. um, rather than just you know cruising into the future in a, a, oblivious yeah, to a, what's it's coming. It's a big investment, isn't it, into 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 any business, and it will be a bigger one if you protect it. Don't um, don't inform yourself to make that, those informed decisions. Yeah. Perfect. That's a more positive way to finish than we were five minutes ago. So, uh, okay, thanks uh, for everybody's input and for, for being on the podcast today. Uh, you mentioned the uh, next release of BC that's due out in a couple of weeks early. Okay, so the first of April. First of April. So we're recording this. What date is it today? It's the fifteenth of March. 15th. So yeah, a couple, so, of, couple of weeks. Couple of weeks. Go. Yeah. But we did a video about that. So if anyone's interested on those features, check that one out as well. Um, but apart from that, thank you guys, and we'll look forward to seeing you all on another. Techman Talks Dynamics in a few weeks, no doubt.